Our Torah study today is going to be dedicated in the merit of the complete and total and speedy recovery of Barb and Mike Pudlow's seventh grandchild, Michael Joseph. He was born last week, a bit premature, and uh, he's currently in the NICU with what they call premature lung disease. Uh, thankfully, he's doing a little bit better today, and we hope that he continues his, his recovery and he has a complete and total recovery and there's no lingering effects and he's able to grow strong and flourish and be healthy in every way. We are up to mitzvah number 102 and today we're going to do mitzvah number 102 and 134 and these are the mitzvahs related to the kohanim, the priests in the temple and in the tabernacle and their responsibilities in processing sacrifices brought by the rest of the Jews, in particular, their responsibility to consume certain parts of the sacrifices and offerings. So mitzvah number 102 is that the kohanim, the priests, they have to eat the meat part of the sacrifice that is allocated to the kohanim. And mitzvah number 134 is with respect to the meal offerings, the various parts of the meal offerings that are given to the Kohen, they must consume it. So it's important to note that this is a different subject than the laws of sacrifices in general. And if you're following kind of chronologically throughout the Torah, we're now towards the end of the book of Exodus. So in a few mitzvos, we're going to arrive at the book of Leviticus, and we'll spend a lot more time in many mitzvos related to sacrifices but here, already in the book of Exodus, we have some of the laws related to sacrifices, namely the consumption of the meat and the meal offerings that is done by the Kohanim. Now, to gain some context, I want to read to you part of the Art Scroll introduction to this mitzvah. The book that we are using to go through the mitzvahs is called the Sefer Chinuch, often translated as the Book of Mitzvos. And as they often do, Artstroll publishes a wonderful translation with a wonderful commentary, and I thought this was a particularly helpful introduction to give us some context to this mitzvah. So this is part of the introduction to mitzvah number 102. There are two categories of offerings brought in the temple. Kotche Kachim, which means the most holy of offerings, and that includes the Ola which is the elevation offering, the chatas, and the ashim, which are various sin offerings, and the communal shlamim offerings, and we'll get more into the details of the different, you know, the breakdown of the different uh, the different uh, sacrifices. But that's one category, kachim kachim, the holy of holies. And then there is what's called kachim kalim, which means also holy, but less holy, the lesser holiness, which includes all the other sacrifices. Kachim kachim, which means the super holy ones, are generally brought for atonement and are subject to greater restrictions than Kachim Kalm. So the more holy it is, the more restrictions apply to that sacrifice. So Kachim Kachim are brought for atonement. Kachim Kalim, which means the lighter holiness or lesser holiness, are typically not brought for atonement and they are less severe and less harsh in their restrictions. What are some restrictions? Among these restrictions is the rule that the meat of kache kachim is given to the kohanim and may be eaten only by male kohanim within the confines of the temple courtyard. 
The meat of Hachim Kalim is treated more leniently. A portion is given to the Kohen, and they may eat it by themselves or by members of their household, while the remainder is given to the owner of the offerings and may be eaten by all Israelites, and it could be eaten in Jerusalem. So there are, again, a breakdown, more holy, only eaten by the male Kohanim in the temple, less holy, can be eaten by Israelites as well, and even throughout the city of Jerusalem. The offerings related to our current mitzvah are kotche kachim, and it's talking about the part of the meat that's eaten by the Kohanim, and this helps facilitate the atonement brought about by the sacrifice. So that is the mitzvah, and I always think, you know, if we're going to have a study of mitzvahs, and we're going to try to get like a little snapshot, a little picture of every mitzvah, and of course, the details, especially with sacrifices, the details are myriad. There is a lot of details, and we want to just get a flavor. I think it's important to try to understand, you know, the essence of the idea and maybe, you know, a, a hook to it, so, something interesting about it that makes it maybe more relevant to us. You know, the idea of sacrifices in general, someone does a sin, it creates a certain blemish on their soul, and then they bring a sacrifice, and it's processed in very specific ways in the temple by the Kohanim. And there are things that we do with the blood. You catch the blood, you walk the blood, you sprinkle the blood, and you eat the meat, you burn some of the innards. The whole thing is such a kind of strange idea for us. If we're going to study it, let's always try to find some sort of lesson that we can take to ourselves in our lives. So the Talmud makes a very interesting statement regarding this mitzvah. We have a sacrifice. The Israelite needs the atonement. They bring the sacrifice, the Kohen processes it, following the rigid protocol. And then there's a part of the sacrifice, the meat, that is consumed by the Kohen. Says the Talmud, the consumption of the meat by the Kohen will effectuate the atonement for the owner of the Israelite who needs the atonement brought about by this sacrifice. So I think it's really interesting that we have this law that tells us if a coin is eating a certain part of meat, that's going to bring about atonement for the owner of that sacrifice who needs the atonement. So that's a really interesting point, and we'll delve into it a little bit. So we have, again, a mitzvah for the coin to eat this meat. The mitzvah extends to the all the other kinds of sacrificial meats that the coin has to eat. The Sefer Achinach, the book that is navigating us through this study of the mitzvahs, tells us that there is another part of what the Kohen consumes that is included in this mitzvah, namely the truma. When you have a bounty, you produce a yield in your field, you give 2% to the Kohen, that is called truma, and that is included in this mitzvah. And of course, we have mitzvah number 134, that is the Consumption of the meal offerings that is given to the Kohen. Now, I think it's interesting. If you think about our religion, we have a lot of foods that are associated with our religion. There's the old joke that says every holiday, the Jewish holiday is all the same. They tried to kill us and they failed. And now let's find something to eat. That's the old joke that they say about Jewish holidays. You think of, you know, our religion as being one that's very closely associated, you know, with the certain foods that we eat over the course of the year. 
But if you think about it, there are very few mitzvos related to consumption of foods. You know, you have matzah and Pesach. And besides for that, that's really it today. In temple times, we also had some mitzvos, some more additional mitzvos, including this one. But it's, it's interesting that there's very few mitzvos relatively that relate to a responsibility to consume something. You know, most of us don't need a mitzvah to eat. We don't need to be told to do it. We do it nonetheless, and we have a problem. We don't need the religious compulsion to eat. We have a problem that we eat too much. But this is just unique to find a mitzvah that is one of consumption. So let's zoom out a little bit and talk about this mitzvah in general. I think it's a stunning concept. You have a sacrifice. The Kohen consumes the sacrifice. That's the mitzvah. And that provides atonement for the Israelite. Of course, the whole notion of sacrifices is strange. The whole idea of why a sacrifice would provide atonement is strange. In Talmudic parlance, there's a term about the blood work, that a lot of the atonement of a sacrifice is associated with the blood, the slaughtering, the catching of the blood, the watching of the blood, the sprinkling of the blood on the altar. But here we're focusing on the consumption of the meat as part of the atonement process. So I want to share some of the ideas that our sages tell us about this mitzvah. And I I do think that although most of us are non-Kohanim, and certainly none of us have seen a, a sacrifice in our lifetimes, we hope, of course, that we will merit to see it, please God, but we have never seen a sacrifice, so the whole idea is strange, But there can be a principle, I think, that can be relevant to us in our lives. So the Sefer Chinuch, as he always does, in every mitzvah, tries to give us a reason that we can use as a rationale to understand what the Almighty wants in a mitzvah. And he tells us that sacrifices, they're there to refine us, to elevate us, to purify our thoughts and our intentions. And then he says that the essence of our life, the conflict of our life, is that we have kind of two personalities. We have conflicting entities that are all jockeying and battling for control. We have our mind, we have our intellect, we have our rational persona, We call that the soul or the good inclination. And that part of ourselves, you know, wants to obey the will of our creator and wants to do what's right and wants to think to the long term and wants to invest in our permanent selves. And then we have the Yetzahara, the evil inclination, our physicality, our animalistic half. And that part does not think about the soul and the eternal life and The idea of a a creator is kind of a fuzzy idea. That's the part of ourselves. That's the half of ourselves. That's going to cause us all kinds of spiritual problems. It's going to lead us to do mistakes. It's going to lead us to make poor trade-offs. And the objective of Torah in general is to empower our spiritual halves, our intellectual halves, the part of our life and our persona that wants to invest in our permanent self, in our soul. 
we have a food here. We have a consumption of, of, of meat here. And this is a unique concept where there's something that you're, you're, eating, you're eating steak. The Kohen is eating steak. Yet it's a mitzvah. So this is a unique crossover thing where it's something that can excite us on a physical level, but it's also a mitzvah. This can provide us an opportunity to overcome our instinct. And he says, what we're going to do is we're going to take this consumption of meat and we're going to endow it with honor and distinction and grandeur and we're going to make a huge emphasis on it. We're going to take the holiest person of the nation, the Kohen, in the holiest location, in the temple, and they're going to eat the meat over there. And that's going to help reorient us to recognize that there's more to life than just physicality. Moreover, we could take that physicality and uplift it and make it spiritual as well. So when you have this very lofty and distinct form of consumption of food, and there's so many rules governing it, and the people who are eating it are so removed from the rest of the populace, in the temple they're eating it, that can help us elevate, so to speak, our perspective to re-examine, so to speak, how we view life and the priorities that we have in our lives. Now, I did see some more amazing ideas about this mitzvah. And again, the mitzvah is that the kohanim, the priests, are consuming the meat in the temple. One of them I found in the uh, in the Ramah. The Ramah, Rabbi Moshe Israelis, he was the rabbi of Krakow, but he's one of the co-authors of the book of the Code of Jewish Law. The Shulchan Aruch. The Code of Jewish Law, it's written by Rabbi Yosef Karo, and it's co-authored by Rabbi Moshe Israelis, but he also wrote a book called Torah Ha'ola, which means the Torah, the law of the offering, or of the elevation offering. And in it, he talks about every different aspect and element of the sacrifices and all the activities that happen in the temple. And he says something really interesting. He says that someone needs atonement. Why does someone need atonement? Why would someone need to have a sacrifice brought to cleanse them? It must be because they did something wrong. And when you do something wrong, well, there's a, there's a blemish that exists in your soul. And that has to be, and that has to be rectified. And one of the ways that gets rectified is by, of course, you repenting. But when you are able to confess, you confess to what you did and you express it in somewhat of a public fashion. And that, of course, is going to result in you having a little bit of shame for what you did because none of us are proud of the mistakes that we did. 
That experience of getting it off your chest, of confessing towards what happened, that's going to cleanse you. Because you're not going to want to revisit that again. And therefore, the Kohanim are eating this meat. And they, they know that this meat came from this Israelite who did something wrong that uh, demanded an atonement. That experience is going to help accelerate the repentance and the expiation process for the Israelite. Then he adds, you only have one day to eat it. And it's only eaten by the Kohanim. And it's only eaten in the temple. We don't want the word of this person's mistake getting out. We want to keep it within a small subset of people, only the Kohanim, in a small location, only in the temple, for a short duration, only for one day. Because even though it's helpful for this person to kind of separate themselves from the person who made that mistake and to feel a little shame for what they did, we don't want to publicize it. And therefore, only for one day, only by the Kohanim and only in the temple, but still it's the consumption of that and the awareness that they know about that mistake that they may have done, that will help accelerate the repentance process. And finally, I want to read you a piece in the Masila Sisharim. Masila Sisharim is the authoritative book of Jewish ethics written by Ramchal Lutzato. And in chapter 26, he has an amazing piece, which again extends to every area of life. You know, even though these, this whole idea of sacrifices is, is a strange notion to us, the whole idea of sacrifices seems a little bit odd. Of course, we're going to talk about that as we get to the mitzvos that relate to sacrifices, specifically with respect to the Kohanim consuming the meat. He has a very nice essay on this subject that is more broadly applicable. He's talking about holiness. And he's differentiating holiness from purity. What is the difference between holiness and purity? They sound kind of like similar or adjacent ideas. Here's what he says. Someone who becomes holy with the holiness of God, even his physical and material deeds become elevated and become like a mitzvah. And he says, this is hinted to in the comment of our sages, the Kohanim eat, and they're eating meat. You know, that sounds like a an ordinary thing people do. 6% of the country is vegetarians, but everyone else consumes meat, at least on occasion. It's a normal thing. Yet, somehow this is going to trigger atonement. This is the difference between the pure one and the holy one. The pure one doesn't want to be very physical, doesn't want to be very material, and only does physical material deeds when it's absolutely necessary. And thereby is able to separate themselves, to purify themselves from all the nonsense of this physical world leading us astray. But the Holy One, who wants to cleave to God 
at all times, even when they do physical things, it is elevated into becoming spiritual. So again, if you're pure, it's great. You want to distance yourself from all physicality. That is the level of purity. Holiness is a step up. Even those things that are nominally physical, they become elevated and they become spiritual. And then he adds, someone like this is considered like a tabernacle, like a temple, like an altar. Why? Because the Shekhinah, the Divine Presence, rests upon them just as it does in the temple. And all the food that they eat is akin to a sacrifice brought atop the altar. Then he adds that this transforms not just the person, but the food that they consume. The food and the drink that the holy person eats, that is an elevation to that food and to that drink. And it's as if that food and that drink was offered on the altar in the temple. And through this he explains the Talmud. The Talmud says, if you give food to a Torah scholar, it's like you brought Bikurim, which is part of the processes done in the temple. And if you give wine to the Torah scholar, it's like you poured libations on the foot of the altar. Now this does not tell us, this should not be implied, that the Torah scholar is pursuing the food and the drink, that they become like uh, gluttonous, that they want to have the physicality. Rather, the idea is that the holy Torah scholars, in all their ways and all their deeds, they are exactly like a temple and like an altar, and the Shechina resides upon them, and in everything that they do, in everything that they encounter, in everything they experience, they provide elevation to it. So we have a Kohen in the temple, and they're eating a steak. And that's something that we can, most of us, can identify with. Yet, it's a spiritual experience, and now that person is provided with atonement. But I think this is a very useful idea for us. When I was in yeshiva, they used to say that there's a very big difference between someone who studies all the way till bedtime versus someone who studies all the way to 10 minutes before bedtime. How so? If you have a 10-minute break before bedtime, well, then bedtime is now severed. When you sleep, is now severed from when you study. And therefore, if you didn't need sleep, maybe you'd be chilling out like you were right before sleep. But if you would study all the way to bedtime, then you could go to God and say, listen, you made me need sleep. It's not my fault. You made me need it. And therefore, had I not needed to sleep, I would have continued to do what I was doing previously. And therefore, you sleep for eight hours those eight hours can accrue to you spiritually as if you were studying for eight hours. Because after all, that's what you would have done had you not needed to sleep. 
And therefore, that, that's kind of the same idea. It's possible to take everything physical and elevate it and make it spiritual. You're having breakfast. The neighbor is having breakfast as well. If you intend that, hey, I'm eating food and the Almighty designed me that I need food, it's not my fault that I was designed like this. And I need it for a strain to do a mitzvah and to live my life and to, you know, to be a good parent or a good spouse or a good co-worker. Without food, there could be no Torah. If there's no flour, there's no Torah. The food, the breakfast now, it's the identical breakfast. For one, it's a mitzvah. For other person, it's not a mitzvah. So we have just a living example of this in this mitzvah, mitzvah number 102 and 134, that the various parts of the sacrifices that are consumed by the Kohen is going to effectuate atonement for the Israelite. Of course, sacrifices in general, it's very mysterious. And we're going to have many mitzvahs upcoming that will try to delve into the various different kinds of sacrifices and the notion of sacrifices in general. But here we have mitzvah number 102 and 134 that relate to the Kohanim and their role, specifically in the consumption of the parts of the sacrifices that are for them. I look forward to your questions and your comments and your feedback. As always, my address is rabbiwalby at gmail.com.